The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money, managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of John E. Sistina and Company are on deck to show you the way. Thank you for joining the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett. Joining me today are certified financial planners, Tony Payne and Craig Konstantinovich, as well as our special guest, Mike Gatteri from Health Markets Insurance. Uh, nice to have everybody together again. Welcome, Mike. Nice to meet you in person. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time. Yes, uh, let's start by telling people about you and Health Markets Insurance. Yeah. So uh, Health Markets is a health and life insurance agency. Uh, we work with over 200 different insurance companies, uh, whether it be health, life, disability, long-term care, Medicare. Uh, we, we insure people from head to toe. Uh, like I said, we do that with over 200 different insurance companies. So we're able to find the right plan for you. We're not going to try to sell you a plan because it's the only thing we work with. Uh, and so we believe very heavily in in, uh, in education and, and making sure that we're teaching people what the changes are for the markets every single year. And of course, health insurance is kind of a political hot potato anymore. Yeah. And so every year when the industry changes, we get to help educate people and get them in the right plans. So it sounds like you take the conflict of interest out of dealing with people, which is really probably a relief on your client's side. Yeah, we we want to make sure that they've got the plan that's best for them, not the plan that we recommend, not not the only plan that we sell. You do all the homework. Absolutely, that's a awesome. lot of homework. Well, we're we're glad you're here today uh, with our experts. Uh, we're going to talk about the future of healthcare insurance. So we're going to get into some trends, challenges, and innovations. Uh, so with your help, Mike and uh, our CFPs here, we're going to attempt to demystify the future of healthcare insurance. I don't know if that's possible. Oh, we're relying all on Mike. <laughs> Craig and I are here for the fun of it, but. Tracy, you and Mike are going to go back and forth. We'll interject like we might with our clients or how we might interject on the planning side. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Back back and forth. I'm looking forward to it. I know, Mike, you and I have worked over the years in different situations, helping different families at different times. So I'm eager to hear the bigger picture here and zoom out a little bit. Fantastic. Okay, let's get into it. Um, We're going to start with patient patient advocacy. And I I think this is a good starting point and one that's emotional, uh, not just utilitarian. So and it seems logical, you know, to people. But why let's just kind of get into why is being informed as an advocate so important in your industry as you see it? Well, I I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, oftentimes when when people are left to make these decisions, they're in the midst of of a life crisis themselves. Uh, You know, I I think of personal situations I've had just in the last year or two. And when you're going through and and you're dealing with someone's personal medical situation, sometimes it's hard to be objective because you're you're close and you're emotional to the situation. And and so having someone who's on your side, having someone who's going to be able to look at things from more than just an emotional standpoint, but, you know, make sure that you have the right coverage is really important because 
we're disconnected from that, right? We, we, we get to look at the overall facts and, and not, you know, how it's going to pertain to someone's specific uh, emotional or, or, or uh, you know, medical situation for their loved ones. So the advocate is the patient's voice. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So that's a really important role to make sure to do your homework and ask the right questions. Sometimes people don't know what the right questions are to ask. So it's great to have a point person in the as a professional to be able to lean on. So they've essentially got two advocates. Correct. Right. That's great. Um, and the importance of being informed and proactive uh, as a consumer becomes more and more relevant as healthcare insurance changes. Yeah, I, I mean, you almost have to have a PhD anymore to to understand how these plans work. Uh, you know, we we go through hundreds of hours of training every single year, and even then, there's always wrinkles. So, l- literally, my last meeting a half hour ago threw a curveball at me that I've never come across, and it just is such a constantly evolving industry that anyone who tries to do it on their own is is really going to leave themselves behind the eight ball. And so the educational part of it is, is just absolutely huge. So take advantage of the knowledge of the professional is, yeah. is the is the takeaway. You, so, uh, go ahead, uh, Tony. Just to chime in, I've, I've learned that over the years from working with yourself and other professionals, though. E- even me, I, I know I've done this 20-some years, and there's questions where I'm learning to even ask the question. And I didn't even know it was an area to touch on. So that's why we say we're the generalist. We try to get our experts out there who really do the hundreds of hours of training because there's just not enough in the day for us. So uh, just to bring it full circle here, that's why we're able to learn so much is through the help and through others that are doing all the background. So Yeah, and, and that's exactly why we only do health and life. There's no way we could be experts in auto and homeowners and business and liability and everything else. So, you know, just with health and life alone, if someone is going to truly be an expert, they need to stay in their lane. And we, we know that we understand that. And that's exactly what we do. Yeah. So to piggyback off that, too, I know, obviously, we're coming up on open enrollment time. Everyone's double checking their plans, deductibles, all these words and phrases. Uh, Affordable Care Act coming into play, obviously, probably some of the biggest changes that you've seen, but maybe taking it down uh, to a smaller level. What are some of the changes this year that are happening that maybe some of our listeners may not be aware of that they should consider? So the the biggest change this year is actually going to uh, what I refer to as short-term plans. Uh, and, And for the last seven or eight years since Obamacare started, we have used these short-term plans as a, as a vehicle to avoid the marketplace. Uh, if someone was healthy, if someone didn't get government subsidies, you know, we would oftentimes look towards these short-term plans as a way of getting people's costs significantly down. Well, the government has realized that that is then causing the marketplace plans to be more expensive than maybe they should, because if all the healthy people are not on the marketplace, that only leaves the unhealthy people on the marketplace, which causes rates to go up. So for January of next year, actually probably February of next year, as soon as the president signs the bill, uh, short-term plans will, in essence, go away. And so that will lead a lot of people to have to go back to marketplace plans. And while it will have a two or maybe even three-year trail before those costs then come down, if we can integrate all the healthy people into the marketplace, that means lower out-of-pocket costs by the insurance company, and ultimately that will then lower rates. You're kind of getting into the next topic I was going to ask you about navigating healthcare options. And and this can be so overwhelming. Um, the, the legalese is crazy, even for, you know, the highest of IQs. Uh, so matter, so no matter where you are in life, 
uh, what are some of the challenges that you see people face when they're trying to net when they're trying to choose the right policy for themselves or the right plan? Well, quite honestly, I, I think one of the biggest challenges out there is just getting the appropriate information. Um, so oftentimes your, your neighbor will tell you one thing, your friend will tell you something else, your, 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 your brother and sister will tell you something completely different. And if someone spent 10 minutes in HR, they're going to sit there and tell you that they're an expert in regards to health insurance. And and so then you go online and of course you, you go down the Google rabbit hole and God <laughs> only knows what you find there. Uh, and worst cases, you, you wind up getting those phone calls from the telemarketers who are trying to sell you something and, and you're just left to wonder what's true, what's mm -hmm. honest, you know, what, what really should you have? So trying to make heads or tails of it is really probably the most difficult thing. And, you know, like you guys said a minute ago, you, you can do all those hours worth of research and still not know. You really have to find someone you trust mm -hmm. it, it, as hard as it is to, you know, put your trust and faith in someone else that you may or may not know well you have to find someone where you can just say this is out of my control i've got to let someone else help me with this well and to share too on that to make it very personal i mean we know that to find the right plan sometimes you have to share your health info or even family history info so to your point about building trust having a relationship it's not something you may want to get online and do blindly and figure out but to be able to sit and share, here's what I think I have going on. Here's what I'm dealing with now. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think those things really matter when you're picking a plan too. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, we have to go through and we find out all the meds and all the doctors. And there, there's often times where you talk to a customer and they break eye contact with you and you ask some of those questions because it is very personal. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to talk about those things. So at least having someone that you know has your best interest in mind is it makes it a little bit easier. And that's, and that's kind of what I'm thinking of personally. Um, how do you approach other than data gathering, I would assume is the first step to, to helping somebody determine what kind of policy is, you know, employer sponsored option. Is there private insurance available? I mean, there's just a, a myriad of choices you start by the data gathering? Yeah, we probably spend the first 20 to 30 minutes of a meeting with a customer just learning about them. You know, it's customer, a real personal touch. Absolutely. You know, whether it's one customer is going to want high deductibles, high co-pays, catastrophic only. You're going to have other customers who have come from corporate America and they're used to having everything under the sun covered. So, you know, managing expectations is a big part of it to understand what their goals are in the plan that they have. Um, but then certainly trying to find something that's going to work for them year after year after year. Do you do you guys talk about the role of the primary care, uh, you know, the physician, how important it is to have uh, a good relationship with the doctor in the doctor's office? Do you get into that with people? A absolutely. Uh, because certainly with with the type of plan you choose, sometimes if you have an HMO and you have to get referrals, everything goes through that primary care. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that you have a, a good relationship and you're you're getting your physicals done and you're staying on top of your health is, oh, is a huge part. Oh, geez. All right. <laughs> fine. Remind me of that appointment. All right. Fine. I'll go. I have a question about employer coverage. So what is it? What does that depend on? What? How is? The, how do you determine if that's the better policy? Is it based on deductible? Is it based on premium? How does that work? So whether you have an individual plan or an employer plan, they can be built the same way. So as far as the bones of deductibles, co-pays, things of that nature, you can 
absolutely replicate in the individual world what an employer plan is has available. With that said, at least when it comes to networks, that's where you're going to see one of the biggest differences. So if someone wants that large PPO network where they can go to the Cleveland Clinic or the Mayo Clinic or MD Anderson, you're really only going to find those PPO plans in the employer group side. The vast, vast majority of plans in the individual world are the HMOs. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, what we're finding is that employer plans are also then significantly more expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it it seems counterintuitive. And that that, surprises me. Right. Uh, Yeah, I've got a background in Fortune 50. And at that time, that was the bell and whistle to look for. And and it doesn't seem like it's like that anymore. Yeah. I I mean, it seems counterintuitive that an individual can get a plan cheaper than a company. Mm -hmm. But because of those network differences, absolutely individual plans can sometimes be 20 to 40% less expensive than a plan. Wow, that's crazy. So specialized care versus general practitioners in the insurance world. Um, what health insurance plans give people the most flexibility? So PPOs are always going to give you the most flexibility. Uh, Why is that? T- let's tell people what a PPO is yeah. first. So PPO stands for Preferred Provider Organization. Uh, HMO stands for Health Maintenance Organization. So with a PPO, you will have a network of doctors and hospitals that the insurance company prefers that you see. So you're allowed to go out of network, probably going to cost more, higher co-pays, higher deductibles, less managed care, less referrals, um, less prior authorizations. And so you and your doctor really drive your care on a PPO. With a health maintenance organization, the insurance company drives your health care. And so if you want to have hip surgery, you got to run it through the insurance company first to make sure that they okay it. You're going to have physical therapy. You want to get a name brand drug. These are the types of things where the insurance company might say, well, before you do that, try this other form of medicine first, which oftentimes is going to be cheaper and, you know, therefore save the insurance company's bottom line. And so on an HMO, you will expect referrals. You will expect prior authorizations. And the big thing, like we said a minute ago, is with an HMO, you cannot go outside of your network unless it is a life or death medical emergency. Is it the, is it, is it an an ethical decision or the responsibility of the physician to help you navigate your insurance plan? Or is this literally something that you have to really familiarize yourself with, you know, get to know your insurance people, make the make the phone calls, ask the questions? Or I think a lot of people tend to rely on their physicians to tell them what their insurance covers and what it doesn't and what, what the best scenario is. Mm-hmm. That, is that something you see often? Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we we want our doctors to be our advocates. We mm-hmm. want our doctors to be on our sides. And, and, and more and more, we're finding that there a lot of doctors mm-hmm. are, are just becoming more, get a patient in, get them out, and, and are really not doing that in-depth analysis with someone. Um, the amount of times that we find mistakes in billing and coding and calling doctors who don't know what insurances they take, there really is a disconnect on that end. And I don't want to speak with a blanket statement because that's that's not the intent, but mm-hmm. it, it you really have to do your own checking as a consumer because there is a lot of situations where the, the doctor's office is not looking out for someone's best interest. So when you say do the checking, are you saying after you get the EOB, the, the explanation of benefits, do you contact the insurance company yourself? 
Uh, do you follow up with the physician's office to make sure they've done their due diligence? What role do you have in that? Well, so in the industry, uh, oftentimes uh, you're expected to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Our clients come to us. Uh, so that is a service that we provide to all of our customers. If, if there's ever a, a claim situation, if there's ever an explanation of benefits that doesn't make sense to a consumer, come in, sit down with us. We will look through it for you um, because, yeah, in probably 80 to 90 percent of situations where someone thinks that something wasn't billed appropriately, we can get it resent through the doctor, resent through the insurance company and get it turned around and and, and save people money. Here's related to that, and I want to kind of pick your brain a little on the fly here, but a hypothetical, not so hypothetical example, but if I was to have a shoulder surgery or something like that, let's say the physician wants me to come to their place, do it there, I wouldn't know any better that I could go to the local hospital where they have privileges and perhaps have it done at maybe half the cost. I mean, when I see that, who who helps me navigate that? I think that's an example Tracy's mentioning where... I can trust the doctor. Well, I like this place. It's easier for me or whatever. But if it's going to impact my deductible or my pocket, how do I approach that? Do I get to price shop? So that that to me is is one of the biggest issues that I see with our industry in general. I guarantee that none of us up here know what our doctor charges. Right. None of us know what it costs to have an MRI or a CAT scan. And if we knew that you know, Dr. Smith was charging $100 and Dr. Jones, who was a block away, was charging $50. We might go to Dr. Jones, assuming that they had the same level of education and credentials and and, and things of that nature. But we don't know. And, and we're taught to really not care because we pay our copay and that's it. But the minute we would bring that transparency to it, we would make more informed decisions as consumers. And that would ultimately not only bring down healthcare costs, but then bring down insurance costs as well. And so, yes, absolutely. Having your surgeries done at an outpatient surgery center oftentimes can be significantly cheaper than going to the actual hospital itself. Um, But at the end of the day, we listen to our doctor. We do exactly what our doctor it's says. It's such a good faith. Mm-hmm. It's such a good faith relationship. And and then you're dealing with generational old school thinking about the industry as well that mm-hmm. I have to believe enters into the, the process too that you deal with. Yep, absolutely. People, you know, the tendency not to be proactive, you know. So the bottom line is to be really proactive, be involved, read your explanation of benefits, right? Yep. Read your invoices to make sure that you're not getting double charged and contact the professional. Right, And it can be confusing because you, you get an explanation of benefits from the insurance company. You get a bill from the doctor. You got to match those two things up. And oftentimes you've got a doctor office visit on one day and then you've got a test on the next day and you've got multiple different pieces of paper coming in. And before you know it, you got a you know folder that's, that's three inches thick mm-hmm. with, with pages and you're trying to make heads or tails of all of that. And, and so I tell consumers, don't pay a single bill until you have an explanation of benefits that matches up with it. You're reading my mind. I just had that happen. And in fact, I was having a conversation with my husband about a bill because we both have medical bills coming in, not to overshare, but um, this medical facility was knocking on my door for a substantial amount and uh, indicated that the insurance had paid it but it didn't look that way to me. So I just kept kind of pulling back and pulling back and they kept calling and calling and calling. And then lo and behold, I got a second bill where they adjusted it. Uh, I would say two thirds. Mm-hmm. 
it, it was adjusted down because the insur- I waited long enough for the insurance company to deal with it. So yeah, don't be a real knee-jerk reactionary when you get a bill. A- absolutely. The amount of times I see consumers who get a bill and then an explanation of benefits never shows up because the doctor never billed it. The doctor never sent it to the insurance company and instead just sent the consumer a bill saying, pay this. And all they would have had to do is wait for that EOB to come in, see that it would have been paid. And once you pay that portion to your doctor, now you're hoping that they're going to pay you back. Yeah. But yeah, you have to wait for that EOB to show up and say what has or has not been paid. And then more importantly, flip it over, go to the backside, read the you know little key there that'll say, well, this went towards deductible or this was over your limits or you know this was out of network because if you just look at the dollar amounts as to what is owed and what was paid that's only giving you a partial story so get on the back get into the details look at why it was or wasn't paid and again that's where you may not be an expert in regards to insurance come in sit down with us we'll walk you through all those claims it seems logical but a lot of people don't do that and um having somebody to guide you along the way is is a, a huge relief. I have had that experience. So uh, take advantage of your professional and the expertise. And to say, again, it's just agreement with everything we're saying, but if you're going to the doctor, there's a major health event, chances are you aren't feeling up to things anyway. And then you've got this extra paperwork or this extra job on top of it. So that's where we can say, again, the experts, getting the experts involved, using your team, because if it's you or your spouse or just you solely or you're single and you're going through health stuff and trying to navigate the finances, it's really rough. Mm -hmm. So I'm just sharing that because I know in different situations, you almost don't want to open the mail anymore because you don't want to be on hold for two hours with the insurance. Company. Oh, and that's a real, that's a reality, so especially idea, now. These advocates, and I, I know we're um, talking you up a lot, Mike, in your group here. You, you've never wrote a check to our company unless I missed that. No, he, he hasn't. <laughs> we, we have you on because you're a nice person. Your group has been very good. We, we know there are others who do this, but to have you on and have you share with us and our group and our listeners is so helpful because there's so much of this. I don't know. We don't know. And that's where to bring it up that you should have an expert involved, whether it's Mike or Mike's group or anybody else. The idea of having a focused expert for your health care is pretty important. Yeah. And nobody really says that, I feel like. Now, now I feel like I owe you a check for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't take it. So don't worry about that. Maybe a lunch, a dinner, we're you one time, but um, that, that'll be the extent of that. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So affordability, this is a big one. And, and I probably would guess people's biggest concern when they're shopping for insurance is the affordability. So let's talk about the financial aspects of the healthcare policies, uh, the challenges of rising healthcare costs. Do you have any tips to keep costs reasonable? So the first thing I'll say is, unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, medical inflation seems to double inflation in in the rest of the world. Uh, You know, it is very, very common, eight, nine, 10% medical inflation year after year after year. Um, So that is always a frustrating point for people, and I understand it. Um, But when it comes to trying to manage your costs, when it comes to trying to have an affordable plan, I would say keep in the context of what insurance is meant to do, Mm -hmm. okay? Your auto insurance doesn't cover your oil change. Your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover your air filter. Insurance was never really intended to cover the small stuff. If if we first and foremost look at us our look at our health insurance as covering the big things, and let's hope we have 
uh, we go our whole life and never have a heart attack or cancer, just like we hope our house never burns down or our car never you know, gets totaled. But if we focus on the big stuff first, that should always be everyone's main and biggest priority. And when you're doing that, don't just think of the direct insurance costs. When I say direct insurance costs, that means making sure the doctor in the hospital gets paid. Because when you get hurt, when you get sick and you miss three months or six months worth of work, making sure that you can get by financially, making sure that you have the money to pay for the health insurance to keep it active, making sure that you have groceries and utilities is just as, if not more, important. And so one of the most alarming statistics I ever heard was that 80% of bankruptcies come from a medical event. Wow. But 90% of those people had health insurance. And so it wasn't the direct medical cost that caused the bankruptcy. The deductible didn't cause the bankruptcy. It was the three or six months worth of lost wages that caused the bankruptcy. And so my point of all of this is don't necessarily worry about having that low copay or that low deductible because you can make payments over the months or over the years on your deductible. And so if you have to go with a higher deductible, in order to build in some of that supplementary coverage, now you've got coverage not only for the event itself, but for the aftermath. Are you event. talking various types of insur- health insurance, like short-term disability and that kind of thing? Are you or, or is, are you talking within the health within the healthcare insurance policy? Yeah, you can do it either way. So you can do short-term, long-term disability. You can do supplemental benefits, aka AFLAC. Uh, there, there's a number of different things you could do. I mean, worst case scenario, you go with a high deductible, you look at how much it saves you on a monthly basis, and you just bank the difference mm-hmm. so that you've got a slush fund built mm-hmm. up. I, I like that phrase. I'm gonna, I, yeah. It, yeah, that's where we like to, to help. And where we work together really is you have where these catastrophes could come in. And you said it so perfectly. It's the catastrophes of life. The house burns down, cancer, major heart attack, not the incidentals perhaps. And for those... We live, we lie, we have our lives. And for the big stuff, hopefully we have a cash reserve, some sort of emergency fund that goes beyond just the deductible. But if I do have disability and it's going to be three months until I get paid, do I have enough to get by for those three months? Maybe it's six months. I mean, these are the things, too, where the whole financial plan starts to come together with these different pieces. So it's fun to work together. Absolutely. And I've actually had people ask me, how in the world does healthcare have anything to do with financial planning? And and what you're talking about is is our daily diet of conversation. Um, so the the collaboration, um, one leans on, on the other. You could have a big bag of money saved, but if you don't have the right things in place, you're going to tap into that to sustain your lifestyle. So having... Having the backup is really critical. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, that's where our relationship becomes more and more important every single year. Uh, when, when I started in the industry in 2001, I, I didn't care what you made on a yearly basis. I didn't care um, you know, what your finances looked like. And, and what I mean in regards to that is there was no government subsidies. Your health insurance wasn't in any way, shape or form tied to your income. Today, all of the marketplace plans are tied to your income. And there's no more asking medical questions because now there's no pre-existing conditions to worry about. And so when we get the chance to work together, if we can help drive down a consumer's taxable income, now that means hundreds or thousands or sometimes tens of thousands of dollars that a consumer can get in government subsidies, regardless of what their net worth is. So yes, it is very, very important to factor in that income, looking at 
you know, can we defer some of it to next year in order to get this year's income down? Or do we take some more out this year so that we can get next year's income down? And all of this plays a huge, huge role in regards to what your insurance premiums will be. Yeah. And I know even too, like today, for instance, talking with someone and they said, oh, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm retired. I'm not quite Medicare eligible yet. And I'm just really looking forward because I heard that I could basically have my health insurance paid for and I don't have to worry about anything else. And I had to remind them too that, you know, yes, that is an option. That is something that's out there, but you got to make sure that number one, the coverage is going to be there for what you need. And number two, you got to make sure that you've got excess reserves in place, because if you don't, now all of a sudden you may have one catastrophic event that comes up and now you've got to pay your deductible of five, 10, 15,000. Now you may create a triggering tax event. And now, hey, guess what? When you go to file your taxes next year, the government's going to say, yeah, we paid you these subsidies with the expectation your income was going to be X. <laughs> now it's Y. Oh, shoot. I'm the one that's got to yeah. basically pay the bill at that point. If we want to keep going with the surprises, too, and why Mike's in business, the idea of deductibles, even. I Honestly, I think they were pretty straightforward. I thought, oh, here's a family deductible. Here's how much you'll pay out of pocket. Then you get into the realm of, well, there's an individual even within the family. Mm -hmm. Then there's the dependents as well. So even this part where it seems so straightforward, it's only by learning and asking more questions, I realize there's even more out there. Yeah, and and the biggest snake in the grass for people is this concept called coinsurance. Mm -hmm. So you you figure you hit your deductible, now I've got coverage. You got coverage at 80% or 70%, and you're still paying additional dollars. So we, we really advise customers don't pay too much attention to the deductible number. The number you should really be paying attention to is the maximum out of pocket because that is your worst case scenario. That's the number when coverage finally goes to 100%. Does it ever make sense for somebody to have an employer provided insurance and a marketplace scenario in tandem? Absolutely. Uh, so I've never known anybody to do that before. It seems like it would be expensive. So uh, that actually was my scenario for a number of different years. Uh, my ex-wife worked at Home Depot and she got fantastic coverage, uh, but it costs quite a bit of money to have a spouse on the plan. And so I went to the open market and I got myself a plan outside of that. Uh, and so, yes, understand that when you have an employer-sponsored plan, the employer is only obligated to pay towards the employee's portion. While many companies pay towards the spouse and children, they are not required to do so. And so if you feel that your costs are high for your family plan through your employer, look at breaking that apart and see if it makes sense to allow the spouse and children to go to the individual market. And oftentimes they can still get subsidies. And how do you do that? You just hit the hit the HR department to get the full policy so that you can start reading the fine print? Yeah. So whenever you go to enroll in your employer plan during open enrollment, they should break it down into four different categories. You'll have employee only. You'll have employee and spouse. You'll have employee and children and employee and family. Mm-hmm. And so if you come to someone like myself with all four of those numbers, well, then I'll look and see, well, how much would it cost to get just the spouse a plan and leave employee and children behind? Or how much does it cost to get, you know, just the uh, husband and kids a plan or we leave just the employee on the plan? So we'll look at it from every conceivable angle to save any dollar we can. That's fantastic. I didn't know that was an option. That's great news. Uh, In-network versus out-of-network providers. I mean, let's talk about the differences and maybe straightforward, but when might people be most likely to use someone out of network? So quite honestly, the the, the vast majority of the time when you're going to use someone out of network is when that 
stuff hits the fan, right? I mean, if you're having your normal doctor's office visits, you're going to your cardiologist or you're going to your, uh, you know, your, your podiatrist, you're going to be able to find someone in network there. But when you have that life-threatening event and no one in your network can find, figure out what's wrong with you and they tell you to go halfway across the country, that's when you need that out-of-network coverage. And so for, you know, 80, 90% of people, you, you never wind up going out of network. But when you do need it, it's because something is really, really wrong and that's when you're going to be really glad that you have that out-of-network coverage. Can you get a rider on a regular policy for that? So with any PPO, you can go out-of-network, again, because you have that preferred network. So you're mm-hmm. always allowed to go out-of-network in that situation. With an HMO, no. I mean, And that's one of the big limitations that you have to think about when you have an HMO is the only time you can go out-of-network is if it is a life or death emergency. Wow. Okay. Uh, healthcare quality and ratings. How do people research and assess the quality of their healthcare providers? Do you have any rec- recommendations for people? So, I'm sorry, in regards to the providers themselves? Uh, providers, facilities, including online reviews, healthcare quality measures, all of the above. Where do people start to kind of look at the healthcare quality that they're getting? Yeah, I, I, there, there's a couple of different websites out there uh, that people can go to. Um, you know, I, I typically recommend a, a Google search of reviews because, you know, certainly any information that when someone likes or dislikes something, you're, you're going to find it out there pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, quite honestly, word, word of mouth of people who have been happy with things is, is really what I find to most people go to. Personalized health insurance plans. So we're going to talk about the emerging trend of personalized health insurance plans that talk uh, allow clients to tailor their coverage to specific needs. So how do you customize coverage? So in the individual world, there's about 100 different plans out there that you can choose from uh, just in the marketplace. Uh, you've got another 100 to 150 short-term plans until those go away. Uh, And then you've got the share plans, you've got the indemnity plans. So most plans are pretty customizable already. Uh, You know, you'll find just in the marketplace alone, every company will have bronze, silver, and gold. Uh, And within those bronze plans, you'll see five or six different options. Within the silver, you'll see four or five different options. Within the gold, you'll see two or three different options. And that's per carrier and, you know, here in the Columbus area, there's seven or eight different carriers to choose from. So there's there's a multitude of different ways that you can pick a plan. In the group world, it's far more customizable. I mean, there's three, four hundred different options in the group world. Wow. So you're really doing the work for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a lot of shopping. Now, Mike, another question I get a lot, too, is, you know, hey, Craig, I'm thinking about doing a, a big trip this year. Maybe I'm thinking about going abroad. Maybe I'm thinking about, you know, going to the opposite side of the country, those kind of things. More times than not, when you're doing that, you're kind of carefree. That's when some accidents tend to happen. Is that part of the evaluation of customizing a plan for that given year? Is that something you weigh into your decision making or is that something that eh, we just kind of push that to the side? No, for for sure. Uh, You know, perfect example are the snowbirds. Right. They, they spend three, four or five months of the year in another state and making sure that they have something portable is very important um, when it comes to traveling. Uh, if you're going to travel outside of the state look at a travel plan. Uh, I'm sorry, if you're going to travel outside of the country, look at a travel plan. Because if you go to another country and uh, they, you don't speak the language or you don't know anything about their healthcare system, uh, you know, every time I go to Mexico, I buy a travel plan because I don't want to wind up in the wrong Mexican hospital. <laughs> and so to spend $100 every time I go out of the country to have a company that will coordinate my care 
find the best hospital for me, do all the translating so I understand what's happening, and, and most importantly, get the bill paid. Because even if you have a policy that covers you outside of the country, most other countries' insurance or most other countries' healthcare system is not going to honor our healthcare system. And so it's not as if you show your Blue Cross card in Mexico and, and they build the insurance company. They're going to want their money up front. And then you're coming back to the States, filing a claim, hoping to get reimbursed, waiting weeks or months, spend $100 on a travel policy. You'll be very happy you do if you ever need it. Great advice. We could talk, I think, for another two or three hours on this subject, uh, but let's wrap it up. I mean, as you're approaching this aspect of your financial plan, reaching out to the professionals could really be instrumental in helping you navigate. I think that's kind of the moral of the story. Um, and as a fee-only financial planning firm, we work with our industry colleagues like Mike uh, to make sure that no stone is left unturned and people have what they need. Uh, we evaluate those things in tandem with the other professionals. Um, so our special thanks to Mike. We appreciate you sitting with us today. Uh, this has been really informative and, and helpful. Uh, from Health Markets Insurance, uh, please keep tuning in for more and f- more conversations about financial planning and uh, call us if you would like a complimentary consultation to discuss your needs. We are managing to be wealthy. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. To schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns, visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.